Hear the words of Moses, recited in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. God, give the king the ability to judge fairly. He is your royal son. Help him to do what is right. May he rule your people in the right way. May he be fair to those among your people who are hurting. May the mountains and the hills produce rich crops, because the people will do what is right. May the king stand up for those who are hurting. May he save the children of those who are in need. May he crush those who treat others badly. May the king rule as long as the sun shines and the moon gives its light. May he rule for all time to come. May may he be like rain falling on the fields. May he be like showers watering the earth. May godly people do well as long as he reigns. May they have more than they need as long as the moon lasts. May the king rule from sea to sea. May his kingdom reach from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow down to him. May his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of places far away bring him gifts. May the kings of Sheba and Seba give him presents. May all kings bow down to him. May all nations serve him. The king will save needy people who cry out to him. He will save those who are hurting and have no one else to help. He will take pity on those who are weak and in need. He will save them from death. He will save them from people who treat others badly. He will save them from people who do mean things to them. Their lives are very special to him. May the king live a long time. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people always pray for him. May they ask the Lord to bless him all day long. May there be plenty of grain everywhere in the land. May it sway in the wind on the tops of the hills. May the crops grow well like those in Lebanon. May they grow like the grass of the field. May the king's name be remembered forever. May his fame last as long as the sun shines. Then all nations will be blessed because of him. They will call him blessed. Give praise to the Lord God, the God of Israel. 
Only he can do wonderful things. Give praise to his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. As we sit, let's pray. Our Father God, we pray for the guidance of your Holy Spirit to help us to understand your requirement of righteousness and justice in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. There are, of course, many debates about what is the appropriate role of government in a modern democracy and a market economy. There's general agreement, I think, on defense of the realm, though there are debates about the proper scope of defense. Did it justify military intervention in Iraq and Afghanistan? There's agreement, too, on the rule of law, the prevention of crime and disorder, and the provision of legal frameworks like uh, contracts within which interactions in the community can take place. There's agreement on the provision of some physical infrastructure like roads and and bridges. There's much less agreement on the provision of services such as schools and health, though I think it's true that in the UK there's a strong consensus on the National Health Service and education. And there is much disagreement about redistribution via taxes and benefits. And it's evident that on this, Christians can profoundly disagree. So I think we need to go back to a biblical framework for discussing these matters. And rather than allow our thinking to be formed by uh, secular thinking and ideologies, whether we read the Telegraph or the Times or the Mail or the Guardian probably has quite a big effect on what we think. Now, the biblical starting point, I believe, is in 2 Samuel 8.15. And it's a very simple verse. It simply says, David reigned over all Israel, doing what was just and right for all his people. Note first, for all his people, it was inclusive, not favoring one section of society over another. And he did what was just and right. And what I want to do is to focus on these two words because justice and righteousness are a refrain throughout the Old Testament in a variety of contexts and literatures. I want to begin with the righteousness and justice displayed by God. Righteousness and justice are integral to the character of God. And that was powerfully expressed in the opening stanzas of the Song of Moses, which we uh, had as the introduction to our service. Let me just remind you of some of the words. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock, his works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. 
The same characteristics are emphasized by the psalmist in Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. And speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, God declares, I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. Now, there are two points I want to emphasize here. The first one is simply this. God's rule of his world is principled and not capricious. He is the rock. He can be relied upon to exercise his authority consistently and faithfully, even if we can't always understand what he's doing. But secondly, notice that the central principles of his rule are righteousness and justice. So what exactly does that mean? Let's begin with righteousness. It has two dimensions. The first is the relationship with God that God wills human beings to have with him through faith. And that, of course, is the central theme of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's summed up in the command to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But there is a second dimension, which is summed up in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Righteousness is loving obedience from within to the norms or the principles that should govern our conduct in interpersonal relationships. And these are the norms that God sets out and commands. You see, God not only created the world, he also gives order to human society. And that, of course, is expressed negatively in the last six of the Ten Commandments, each of which address central human relationships. So if that's righteousness, what, what's justice? Well, the context is how you actually treat other people in a relational setting. That is, how do you act? Now, justice requires that those actions are based on righteousness, on the principles of conduct set out and commanded by God in each particular case. The precise actions will, of course, depend on the precise circumstances of the relationship in question. Sometimes the context of righteousness is sometimes the content of righteousness in the context of human relationships is made explicit in Scripture. But often, we have to work out the relevant norms from general principles. Principles such as love your neighbor as yourself or the golden rule. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, you may be finding all this a bit abstract. So let me illustrate Suppose you own something that I really need to use, like an electric drill to put up a shelf in our flat. Now, righteousness is the norm that requires you, if you have a drill, 
to lend it to a brother in need. And that's made explicit in Scripture in relation to, for example, lending money and is more generally deducible from the golden rule. Moreover, the eighth commandment, you shall not steal, also sets the norm that the drill must be returned after use. So what is justice in this case? Justice is the actions that conform to these two norms. You lend and I return. Armed with that set of definitions, let's now look at two areas. First of all, righteousness and justice demanded by God of humanity. And then secondly, required of rulers. So first of all, righteousness and justice demanded by God of humanity. Let me recall the incident in Genesis 18 where Abraham receives three visitors at Mamre. Two of them turn out to be angels. The third is a theophany. It's God himself. The next day, the visitors leave, and Abraham, very courteously, accompanies them to see them on their way. And the Lord soliloquizes as follows. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. To keep the Lord, way of the Lord, by doing what is right and just. In other words, righteousness and justice are to characterize the whole people. In Ezekiel 18, the prophet gives a picture of a righteous man. A righteous man who does what is just and right. He is faithful to the Lord. He shuns idolatrous practices. And among other actions, he is commended. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. But generally, I have to say that in the Old Testament, the verdict of the prophets is damning. Isaiah 5.7 the Lord Almighty looked for justice but saw bloodshed for righteousness but heard cries of distress. Or Amos 5.7, you turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. And Amos then goes on to list the evils and the lack of justice that characterized Israel in the 8th century B.C. What's the implication of this? Well, the implication is that righteousness and justice in a community is critically dependent on the fundamental moral dispositions of its members and the actions which follow in daily life. Social mores matter. So a society that is based on individualism and the pursuit of self-interest in economic life will fail on economic justice. 
as the Old Testament prophets frequently noted. A society which values sexual freedom rather than commitment will fail on justice for women and children, as we have been forcibly reminded recently in Britain. Moreover, righteousness and justice are required of us all in our daily lives. We are to be salt and light, and hence an example to our neighbors and role models to our children. So righteousness and justice is required of us all. Now, what about righteousness and justice required of rulers? What's the role of government in all this? We've already seen that David, King David, was commended for doing what was right and just. And the failure of the kings of Israel and Judah to follow his example is frequently condemned by the prophets. So Isaiah 10, verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people. Our reading, of course, our antiphonal reading, was from Psalm 72. And it's quite possible that this was a coronation prayer for a king of Israel. Did you notice the petition with which it started in verse 1? The petition that the ruler will be endowed with gifts of righteousness and justice. Understanding what God's moral law requires for human life and wisdom in ensuring that the people act according to that moral law in their dealings with others. That will involve, positively, making laws that promote righteousness and justice, and negatively, moving to punish those whose attitudes and conduct fall short. How much the rulers can achieve will depend on the degree to which those attitudes and conduct sorry, on the degree to which the members of the community are themselves righteous and hence themselves personally motivated to act justly. A good example of this is the endemic corruption in countries like Nigeria, Indonesia, or Brazil. Recent presidents have indeed been elected on anti-corruption platforms but in practice they have found it very difficult, if not impossible, to root out corrupt practices which are so widespread and so widely accepted. In the next four sermons in this series on God and government, I'm planning to look at a number of areas which I believe are properly the responsibility of governments. Areas where governments need to do what is right and just. But today, I want to leave you with the necessity for every Christian to do justice in their daily lives. Now, I'm going to do this in a series of questions. 
first. Do we treat with courtesy and respect shop assistants, checkout workers, waiters, bank clerks, call center personnel, cleaners, plumbers, electricians, and many others. To do justice means that we have to treat them with courtesy and respect. Do we give enough to the poor and disadvantaged? Do we give generously to Tear Fund or Oxfam or locally to the Community Emergency Food Bank or Emmaus? And if we can, do we give time as well as money? Do we stop to think about the lives of those who make the things we buy so cheaply? Usually from the Far East and frequently made by people who are overworked and very poorly paid. Do we want to know how our savings are being invested by the financial institutions to which we've entrusted them? Are they, for example, financing activities that we would be ashamed to own? Last night, was, of course, was the deadline for sending in personal tax returns. No doubt we cheer when our accountant shows us another legitimate way to avoid paying taxes. But do we consider those who would have benefited from the public services that our tax could have paid for? There are many other such questions. The whole point is that if we're to do justice to the other people at the end of those relationships, we need to think about these things. Let's remember the words of the prophet Micah. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Our Father God, we do indeed confess that we have often failed to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. And we pray that you will enable us to build righteousness and justice into our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen.